Hello and welcome to LDS Real People Real Lives podcast. This is Stephanie Colvin and I'm your host and I so much appreciate you joining us today. As I have been building the firm foundation for this podcast, the last few episodes have been on conversion and then the refiner's fire. And I just felt so strongly uh, impressed by the Spirit of the Lord to do this week's episode on unity. So that is what I'm going to be addressing today, especially with everything that we've got going on in the world. Um, There's just so many divisions and things that are just driving walls and wedges between the children of God. And it's all over the world and we're seeing it everywhere, constantly in our faces, whether it be news, social media, uh, you know, the TV, computer, cell phone, it's just constantly in our face. And it can get very discouraging, as well as, let's be honest, a little bit depressing. Um, You know, we've got people here who are protesting, and I, you know, I'm all for protests, especially when the protest is to make their local communities a better place to live, a better place to, you know, reside and to come together in that sense of community and honestly village. I always love that old saying about how it takes a village to raise a child. And so as I've really thought about this this week, you know, I know that this is such a touchy subject and people are all over the place on the spectrum of uh, what's right, what's wrong, what's okay, what's not okay, what's politically correct, what's not politically correct, and heck, let's even go what's correct and what's not correct. We can't seem to agree on much. And I remember that there was um, a saying about the latter days, and I know that this is one of the prophet and apostles that said this, but I just can't remember right now but when they talk about in the latter days well right will become wrong and wrong will become right and I mean if you're anything like me especially here in California I can look around my little sphere and see how that's been happening for quite some time so the point of this podcast has always been to be real to be open to be raw to be vulnerable And to tie that into the gospel, how do we reconcile the teachings of the gospel of Jesus Christ as found in his church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, with the things that we are living in, seeing, experiencing now? And I know that we're not all listening from the United States. I'm only speaking from my little corner of the world. Um, so, you know, as I was getting ready to do this podcast, and I I think I've mentioned this before, every Thursday I record and get ready for a midnight publishing for the episode. That way it's available for Friday and you guys can count on when it's going to be there with consistency. I know a few of the podcasts that I listen to, I've learned to really rely on them. And so I appreciate their consistency and that they're on target every single week. And that is truly my goal. But I got to tell you, every Thursday, I don't know what happens, but my life just seems to blow up. And as I've talked to people that I trust and I'm close to, and we really discuss what's going on, especially the big picture. So when I say the big picture, I'm not talking just 
mortally on this earth with my mortal mind. I'm talking spiritually as well. Um, I can see that, you know, the adversary is just really trying to make my days so busy and so complicated that I just say, you know what, I just can't do this. I'm too tired. I am just tapped emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. I'm just done. And that's when I start to push back. And it's like, nope, you're not going to get the best of me. So that is my goal for this evening is to just be really open, really raw, truthful, honest, and let's talk about what's going on in the world and how we can use the gospel of Jesus Christ to find peace and comfort. So I have a friend that's been working down in Santa Monica, and he works for a company that goes in and they go to the buildings that have been looted. So windows have been broken, water mains have been broken, um, you know, they spray painted BLM all over the place or the anarchy sign. Um, and they've just done a lot of damage to these businesses there that have been around for most of them quite some time. And he goes in there and his job is to see what the emergent issue is first. And gas lines, anything is take care of that first and then go and prioritize what he needs to address, etc. And look and make sure that the community is safe, that the building is safe, that the business is safe and trying to maintain some type of integrity um, as far as the business's ability to come back after this is over and, and, and open up. And so as he's been doing this, and he's been there for over a week, uh, he has kindly sent me a few pictures and told me a little bit about what's going on. And as he's cleaning up after these people that are just wreaking havoc, especially here on the West Coast, Oregon, Washington, and California is really where I know that a lot of it's been. I, I know that there's been other areas, too. Um, throughout the country and actually throughout the world. But of course, my focus being in California is the West Coast. And it's really unfortunate that, um, you know, he has to go and do that because as he continues to move through business after business and seeing the destruction, the uh, total and complete lack of care for a, another person's property, their livelihood, a way to make a living for themselves, he has ended up developing um, some very harsh feelings. And you know what? Rightfully so. I would probably feel that way too. Right or wrong, this is how he feels. He's feeling it. And he's very upset. He's upset at what people are doing to their own community, that this is even happening, that here we are just barely opening up after this whole COVID-19 shutdown and really shut in. And um, I think some of those businesses were only open a week or two before all of this happened from that horrible, horrible shooting with Mr. Floyd. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because we get all of this information and it's just 24 seven. It's like, sometimes to me, it feels like it's a ticker that's just constantly rolling and telling you everything that's going on. But what I'm recognizing more and more is that ticker and that medium of transferring information is very manipulated. 
And I find that it's getting harder and harder to know the truth, especially when we look at headlines or we hear taglines or, you know, a very creative, well-worded um, story line catcher to really reel in your attention. Um, we've already made opinions, judgments. We know what's going on and and we're sending that person to the judge, jury, and executioner or giving their freedom to them. And yet, really, what role do we have in that? We're not, I mean, I don't even live in that state that this happened in. I'm not going to be on the jury. And I don't even have all the facts yet. I don't even know exactly what happened, why it happened to him, why he was in that place doing what he was doing, and uh, what his life was about, what led him up to that point, what choices has he, had he made in his life that brought him to that conclusion, or even the officer that uh, so poorly and just horrendously made some of the dumbest decisions and did not handle that situation with any remote care for this person's life. And that is horrible. Um, with that said, I am very concerned about our society and the direction that we're moving, that people can report or say or do anything that they wish and then we respond based off that little video or snippet as if we are the judge, jury, and executioner. And these people's lives are being ruined, are being ruined because we can have quick and easy access to this information. So, you know, that's one thing that's going on in our world. Um, there's been several subsequent issues with um, shootings with police officers across the United States and Everybody is just up in arms about it. And I just can't help but think to myself, like, what do I do? How, as a child of God and someone who is very engaged in the gospel of Jesus Christ, what can I do to make a difference? How can I help this change? How can we, being united in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, get our message out? of how we can overcome what we're seeing and what's going on in the world. I have no idea. I have no idea. So as I've been doing my research and really studying out unity and what it means, um, I can't say that it's really become any clearer, but what I can tell you is I have found a lot of comfort, peace, and reassurance and what I'm doing to make a difference. Which really is just living the gospel. You know, I truly believe this. And again, it was said by another apostle or prophet that the biggest change in behavior you can ever have is by the study of the gospel. You study the gospel and you're going to have behavior changes. It's just the way it is. You're going to have more changes in your behavior by studying the gospel than studying behavior. And I truly believe that because it's happened to me. So in gospel topics, it talks about unity. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
and how the Savior, what was his example? So we know that whenever anything happens in this world and we are maybe confused or don't really know what to do or maybe have lost our way, that the Savior is always going to be a great Liahona, a light in that darkness for us to look to. And it says in Gospel Topics under Unity, just before the Savior carried out the atonement, that he prayed for his disciples whom he had sent into the world to teach the gospel, but that he had also prayed for those who would believe in him because of his disciples' words. And he pled for unity, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. From this prayer, we learn how the gospel unites us with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and with each other. When we live the gospel, receive the saving ordinances, and keep our covenants, our natures are changed. The Savior's atonement sanctifies us and we can live in unity, enjoying peace in this life and preparing to dwell with the Father and His Son forever. For the Lord has said, if ye are not one, ye are not mine. You know, it goes on to talk about more about unity as, you know, knit together in unity and love and one towards another. And um, it's just a great way for us to focus. It's a wonderful teaching. Unity is always going to come from looking to the Savior and patterning our lives, our thinking, the things we do, and our beliefs after the example that the Savior, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, has given us. And that will never change. He will always be our Liahona. He will always be the lighthouse that we look to. He will always be that big, brightest star in the sky at night that we see. And so we truly know who to look to. So what do we do when we live the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives and we're honestly doing the best that we can but we're still seeing these things going on around us in the world. Well, we start with our sphere and what's in with, within your sphere. If you look around you and really think about your days, who do you touch? Who do you come in contact with? Who are you running into? Who do you possibly have influence on during those encounters throughout your day? So for me, it's going to be my husband. It's going to be my children and their girlfriends. It's going to be my nephews and nieces, my mom and dad. Um, these are t- people that I typically talk to every day. Uh, you know, I talk to the missionaries every day, pretty much. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. My my brothers, you know, often on I talk to them. That's where it's going to start. And then when I go out into the world, I just continue. So... Right now, and I know a lot of people are feeling this way because, let's face it, we all talk. And this has just shed a huge light. This whole situation with Floyd and the protests and also the other people that are committing crimes that have used this opportunity to commit crimes. Um, There's sensitivities right now of color. Uh, religion. These things have been around since Adam and Eve. This has been something that has been a problem with mankind and womankind since we could think for ourselves. It is in the nature of 
your mortal mind to see and notice these differences. We are intelligences. We're not single-mindedly focused and controlled by some master, you know, master puppeteer in heaven. We have intelligence and we're going to notice the differences between ourselves and other people. I mean, I even notice the difference between myself and my own children. My children are half Mexican and about an eighth Hawaiian. And then they've got probably every nationality of white in them that you could probably ever think of. I mean, literally, we're all what I affectionately term as mutts nowadays. It's just the way it is. Myself, I'm a quarter Hawaiian. And, uh, you know, people have mistaken me for being, you know, coming from California because of the color of my skin, my hair, my eyes, for being Mexican. Um, my children, I can't tell you how many times I was accused of being the babysitter because they are so dark. And it's okay for us to notice these differences. And, you know, when these people would ask me, well, who are you? Are you the babysitter? I would just smile and say, no, I'm their mom. Because it's my choice whether or not I choose to be offended. We like to buy into these things that people make us do this and people make us do that. But I just simply do not believe that. Today was a really rough day and we had a lot of, you know, the mental illness was just on show, very prevalent today. And it was really hard for both me and my husband. Um, but does that mean that I just stop? I stop doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I stop being who I'm supposed You know what I mean? We still have to push through and figure out right and wrong. What would the Lord have us to do? And I can see, obviously, these differences, but I don't need to make it an issue, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, you know, again, I apologize. This has been a really tough episode for me to uh, assemble because I want to do it with just utter care and love and tenderness. But it just seems like lately people just are so easily offended. And it's so interesting because the adversary knows this. He knows and sees what he can use. What are the tools that we're giving him? And yes, there's history there of racial divide in every country, every society. It's just always been there. I choose to ignore it because I am not that way. However, that is not me turning my back on the real issues that people face because they are different. I get it. I've experienced it myself in my own way. And I utilize those experiences because we've been ostracized not only for skin color, but for the way we live, the cars that we drive, um, because of my husband's mental issues. Uh, we've been ostracized because of weight. Um, I mean, you can be, you can make anything an issue because we all have so many differences. We can always pick apart 
and be offended and truly make anything an issue. But I do understand that there are these bigger societal issues that need to be addressed. I'm not saying that they don't need to be. But that's not something I can do for the entire world or for my country or even for my state. What I can do is what's within my sphere. And so I do believe the teachings of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wanted to go and start off with a couple of quotes from, these are just some of the leaders in our church all the way back in, I think, the late 70s on to present time. President Gordon B. Hinckley said, I sense the great strength that could come of our unity. There is little that we cannot accomplish if we will go forward with united hearts to do so. I feel those words to my very core, and I feel the truthfulness of it, and that is the spirit telling me that these words that I'm reading from a former prophet are true. And I know that we can overcome what is going on in our world today. However, not everybody believes in God. Not everybody believes in Christ. Not everybody even believes in this church. Okay? And so we've got a lot of differences. But, you know, instead of focusing on the differences, which actually makes us wonderful creations of God, we are his children. We are to embrace these differences and utilize the differences to be united. And I think, you know, in the world, the world just twists these things and oftentimes it forgets it. And we just don't see these things being reported in the news or talked about often, you know, because let's face it, people, I guess, just aren't going to tune into those shows. I mean, I have no idea. But I also think that the adversary, you know, we've been told that he has exponentially stepped up his attacks on the family, on the home. I mean, there's lots of reasons why we are where we are. But we've got to find what can we do now to help. And that is, is we always look to our Savior and to those who he has appointed to teach us and to guide us. President David O. McKay says, A child has a right to feel that in his home, he has a place of refuge, a place of protection from the dangers and evils of the outside world. Family unity and integrity are necessary to supply this need. End quote. And that was from a conference talk back in April of 1965. So we are talking, what, almost 60 years, 55 years since he said that. And boy, the point of that statement has not changed. And that's where, again, we can start. We have control over the integrity and unity of our family to some extent. And we can start working on bringing us together and uniting us. Now, the demographics of my family are all over the place. Religion, beliefs, all over the place. But through our love and respect for one another and our desire to have peaceful relationships, we have been able to come together united in all that is good and all that is right. 
And that's what I love about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what? Forgiveness is huge. You have to be forgiving, and it's not always important to be right. And so we can start within our families, this unity and integrity. And let's face it, President McKay, he's right. Our children have a right to feel as if our homes are refuges from the world, because even more now so, with everything that's going on, we know that we are ushering in the return, the second coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Redeemer and Advocate with Father. And we know that before he comes, it's just going to continue to exponentially ramp up and ramp up more. So we really need to focus on the teachings of our Savior and those that he calls. President J. Reuben Clark Jr. said in a talk from uh, April 1950, The talk is called Achieving Unity Through Loyalty, and he says an essential part of unity is loyalty. There can be no union where loyalty does not exist. Loyalty is a pretty difficult quality to possess. It requires the ability to put away selfishness, greed, ambition, and all of the baser qualities of the human mind. You cannot be loyal unless you are willing to surrender. There is no growth, mental, physical, or spiritual, unless there be some curtailment, some sacrifice on the part of him who would be loyal. His own preferences and desires must be put away, and he must see only the great purpose which lies out ahead. So here again, this is going back to, are we going to give that person the benefit of the doubt? Are we going to think the best of that person? Are we going to reserve our judgment and opinions and let that person decide where the boundaries are, what they're going to do? Um, Are we going to be willing to sacrifice some of our maybe taught and ingrained beliefs that we grew up with? Uh, You know, are we going to be willing to put aside and sacrifice maybe some, or see about ourselves, some opinions that we have that may not really be aligned with Christ and his teachings in order to find and give peace to our sphere, the people that are around us, and how important that is. Elder William R. Bradford says, within each of us, there is an intense need to feel that we belong. And this feeling of unity and togetherness comes through the warmth of a smile, a handshake, or a hug, Through laughter and unspoken demonstrations of love, it comes in the quiet, reverent moments of soft conversation and in listening. It comes from a still, small voice reminding us that we are brothers and sisters, the children of a loving, heavenly Father. It's so important for us to remember how much each of us, even the person that is the most difficult to get along with. My brother said to me, this is about last year or the year before, and he taught me the greatest lesson of all is that we need to learn to love those who are the most difficult to love. That has stuck with me ever since. And any time that I run into a situation, a person, something in my family, where man, I mean, this is just hard and it's difficult. And let's face it, oftentimes it would be so much easier to just throw our hands up and say, you know what, I'm done. Peace out. But is that what God wants us to do? 
Is that going to fulfill our eternal plan and purpose? Is walking away when the going gets tough? You know, what are we going to choose to be? Who are we going to be? I want to be a listener. I want to be able to have these conversations. And I like being able to cheer people up. I really do. It's just who I am and what I enjoy the most is helping people. And this is why I love missionary work so much is because the gospel of Jesus Christ brings so much more to your life. Everything becomes more, more happiness, more peace, more comfort, more direction, more love, just more. And, um, I wanted to quickly share a story from my upbringing and just kind of give you an example of what I went through and how I've come to terms with that. So it's coming up next. Stay tuned. So when I was young, um, my parents, I was their third child. I'm right in the middle with two older brothers and two younger brothers. And um, when they were, as the family was growing, they needed to move into a bigger house. Well, at that time, we were living in Fresno and they purchased a home in North Fresno. And North Fresno was just filled with, uh, you know, orchards, ranches, a lot of ag land because Central California is um, mainly an agricultural valley and because of that they didn't have schools um you know where i was living they didn't have elementary schools they didn't have junior high or high schools so i was being bussed out essentially uh, to another area that was close to my home but you know the difference that a few blocks can make in a big town and I was taken to another city that was right next to us. And uh, the school that I went to was predominantly Hispanic. Now, at this point, I didn't know anything about color differences, ethnicity differences. I mean, I just, I was who I was. I had my family and just like any child who was loved and taken care of the best of you know our parents ability I just felt very confident in who I was but I realized very quickly from going to school that I was different and how I was different is that I was going to school with a lot of Hispanics who were speaking Spanish and I didn't know a lick of Spanish um, for some of them I was welcomed for others I was not quite brown enough or Hispanic enough especially because I didn't speak Spanish and then yet for others, because there was a very small percentage of kids that were actually Caucasian that went to the school, I wasn't white enough to hang out with them. So I never quite fit into any group and I felt it, but I didn't know what was going on. So as the years ticked by and kept ticking by and I got into junior high and then high school, um, the bullying that went on from all of these groups. I mean, let's face it, we can even be bullied by the popular kids because they don't consider us to be popular. I mean, human beings will find some of the stupidest reasons to really call you out and be cruel and mean, and it's just the way it goes.
as I got older, that just became more pronounced. Especially my sophomore year, we had moved to a little town outside of Fresno, about 45 minutes uh, south. It is a very um, country ranch type town. And I was coming from a school that had money, so I was dressing a particular way. And I mean, these kids singled me out on the first day. Once again, um, going to a school that was predominantly Hispanic. And uh, I went to lunch like the first day because I didn't know anybody. So I walked across the street to the park and there were these kids there from high school, which I didn't know. And they got busted by the police who were somehow watching them and they were smoking um, weed and they got busted. So I got labeled as a narc. And from then on, my life at this school was just hell. I was constantly having to fight and to defend myself. And these kids just, I mean, they brutalized, utterly brutalized me. And, um, you know, as I got older and I married my first husband, who is full Hispanic, um, you know, I saw the things that happened to him and um, did not like it. And I was very vocal about that, you know, being younger and not really understanding what was going on really to the depth that it was happening. Uh, just it just was such a turnoff and I would always be so upset that he would be treated a certain way. And you know what? Even I would be treated a certain way sometimes because oftentimes people thought I was Hispanic, but I would be treated poorly by not only the Hispanics, but also the white people. And so what I learned from that as I got older is this really isn't a color thing. It's not a, a difference thing. It's more of who we are. How have we been raised? Who do we choose to be? Are we going to be somebody who is, you know, just generally loving and accepting and go out and live your life? Or are you going to be somebody who's calling people out? I mean, from when I was little, I was never a bully. I never went out of my way to call people out and start arguments or to pick on people. As a matter of fact, I was quite the opposite. Uh, my parents and my family used to tease me because they said, guarantee when Stephanie walks to that door, she's brought something home. Because I was usually either bringing people home, like people from school who came from very challenged, you know, home lives to uh, animals, whatever the case may be. I was just always looking to help and to save and to do and to see how I can help. That's just who I am. You read my patriarchal blessing, and I understand this better, that this is just who I am. And um, so it really got me thinking about what's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement, these people, and we have to be really discerning. So how do we be discerning? We pray for this particular talent. We ask Heavenly Father to help us to be discerning through the Spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost. That way, when we have decided that something is important enough for us to do the work and the research to find out the truth of things and what's going on, that we can have the Spirit to, to guide us because there is a lot of, you know, we read about secret combinations in the scriptures. I mean, let's face it, that's going on today. There's a lot of manipulations, a lot of things behind the scenes that we're not aware of that's happening. And um, we can only be spiritually led through these times so that we know what we need to do, who we need to be, and how we need to act and respond, if it even needs to have an action and response. So, you know, I'm not going to go too much into my own experience because, you know, people get offended when you say that you can relate. 
and I say, you know what, everybody is going to try to understand and relate in their own way, through their own experiences in their own lives. We're never going to know what it's like to walk into any each other's shoes. That's just not going to happen. And it's okay. Um, a great lesson that I learned from the family and marriage um, book that you can find in your LDS Gospel Library app is about trying to understand because see when you try to understand somebody and what they're going through that automatically brings in empathy and compassion and through that empathy and compassion we can find some sort of common ground to hopefully help that person or help the group or whoever needs to be assisted or have some sort of just somebody there just to listen to them to understand them to say hey you know what i hear you um, and these are things that we can do. And yet in the world, they're saying, you know what? You have no right to even tell me that you understand because you don't know what it's like to be me. You weren't raised over here in this, you know, section of the uh, city and you didn't have this happen to you and you didn't have. Well, you know what? That's true. But you didn't have a lot of the things that happened to me happen to you either. But I know that through your own refiner's fire moments of suffering and heartache and sorrow and my own moments of suffering and sorrow and heartache that we can definitely be there for each other that we can comfort each other that we can uplift one another and that we can help each other and I firmly believe this and I just don't buy into what the world's saying which is nope you can't do that you don't understand and you never will I do not buy that and I think it's a load let me tell you um, there is a quote from Sister Barbara Winder, and she says, I couldn't help thinking of the words of Paul as he admonished the church to serve in unity and purpose. And as he taught that all parts must function for the good of the whole. So it is in a marriage and in a family that we must function together. Okay, so let's take this wonderful teaching by Sister Barbara Winder and really think about how this is going to apply to the world. We know that not everybody is going to come into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and start living the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is a given. But we know that through who we are and who we are following, that we can be empowered through the atonement of Jesus Christ and through our righteous desires and also because we are covenant keepers. We keep our covenants and that entitles us, it bonds us to Heavenly Father. And He will give us guidance and direction. When you're in that moment and you're in the midst of some kind of, uh, you know, huge situation and you know that there's just one thing that could be said that could diffuse this and all of a sudden you have an epiphany and you, and you say whatever came to your mind, guaranteed that always comes from the Spirit of God. That always comes the Spirit of God who works peace and comfort and love in each and every one of our lives. There's a quote by President Marion G. Romney that he says, um, let's see, when he was giving a talk, there is but one way that we can be united and that way is to seek the Lord and his righteousness. Unity comes by following the light from above. It does not come out of the confusions below. While men depend upon their own wisdom and walk in their own way, without the guidance of the Lord, they cannot live in unity. Neither can they come to unity by following uninspired men. The way to unity is for us to learn the will of the Lord and then to do it. 
Until this basic principle is understood and observed, there will be no unity and peace on the earth. Now, this was said by President Romney back in 1983. He had given a talk called Achieving Unity Through Seeking the Lord and His Righteousness. This is the formula, and this is what we're going to follow. And I really encourage you guys to do the same thing, and I'm sure you already are. We don't need to worry about what the world's doing. Let us just do what we can do within our own worlds, within our own sphere, and where we have an impact, where we can have some influence and be persuasive to the ways of the Lord. Elder L. Tom Perry says, We see the unity that comes from a faith in God and a desire to build his kingdom. And we see the dissension that results from the hearts of the people turn to selfish wants and desires, to the pleasures of the flesh, to the riches and worldly possessions. So they're clearly teaching us that we need to focus on the things that matter the most. And that is always going to be what is going to be our eternal lives what's going to be included in our eternal lives that will always have more power more worth more of everything than anything that this world has to give I promise you that and it's well worth it so we need to keep and stay faithful we need to be a light to the world We need to be willing to stand up and stand out and reflect the glory of God and Jesus Christ. I just wanted to finish off with a talk from President Nelson, our beloved prophet. It's a talk, I think an address that was given at BYU uh, last year in 2019 called The Love and Laws of God. And he starts with truth number one, you are sons and daughters of God. You are the children whom God chose to be part of his battalion during this great climax and the long-standing battle between good and evil, between truth and error. I would not be surprised if, when the veil is lifted in the next life, we learn that you actually pled with our Heavenly Father to be reserved for now. I would not be surprised to learn that pre-mortally you loved the Lord so much that you promise to defend his name and gospel during this world's tumultuous winding up scenes. And one thing is certain, you are of the house of Israel and you have been sent here to help gather God's elect. So powerful, we have the right prophet for the right day, for the right time and the right dispensation. And he is reminding each of us of who we are and where we come from. So truth number two, truth is truth. Some things are simply true. The arbiter of truth is God, not your favorite social media newsfeed, not Google, and certainly not those who are disaffected from the church. President Spencer W. Kimball taught that absolute truth cannot be altered by the opinions of men. If men are really humble, they will realize that they discover but do not create truth. President Kimball, um, you know, I've always loved him, but man, that statement, you want to talk about power? He put everything in its proper place. We discover truth. We don't create it. So truth number three, God loves every one of us with a perfect love. 
More than anything, our Father wants His children to choose to return home to Him. Everything He does is motivated by His yearning desire. The entire reason we are on this earth is to qualify to live with Him forever. We do that by using our agency to find and stay on the covenant path that leads back to our heavenly home. Because the Father and the Son love us with infinite, perfect love, and because they know we cannot see everything that they see, they have given us laws that will guide and protect us. And there is a strong connection between God's love and His laws. End quote. God loves us so much that He gave us commandments. And these commandments and laws that He's given us are to guide and protect us. Never doubt. Never fear. You are provided for. You are watched over. And with each day and moment that passes that you choose to keep your covenants, to be obedient, and to find your place on that scale of how the gospel works for you and that's up to you and heavenly father not you and your spouse and heavenly father not you and your parents and heavenly father it's between you and heavenly father you figure out where that belongs knowing that you're going to continue to progress in this life truth number four the lord jesus christ whose church this is appoints prophets and apostles to communicate his love and teach his laws We live in a time and dispensation when we have the fullness of the gospel and we know that the heavens are open. We have apostles and a prophet that have been called by Jesus Christ and we are so blessed for this. Please, please feel the love that your heavenly father has for you for providing apostles and a prophet for you to always look to. President Nelson goes on to say, The gospel of Jesus Christ is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Each of the Lord's apostles is in a position to observe and feel the love that Heavenly Father has for his children, particularly for those who are struggling. He cares deeply about those who have strayed from the covenant path, especially when they fear that there's no way back. There's always a way back. Jesus Christ and his gospel is the way. You have not committed any sin so serious that you are beyond the reach of the Savior's love and atoning grace. As you take steps to repent and follow God's laws, you will begin to feel just how much Heavenly Father and His beloved Son want you back home with them. They want you to be happy. They will do anything within their power that does not violate your agency or their laws to help you come back how I cherish the privilege of feeling their love for you. You know what, President Nelson, I cherish it too. We are so loved. Do not ever feel afraid. The Lord is constantly, if you could see and have the veil rent from your vision, you would see the amount of angels and servants and spirits coming and rushing to your aid day in and day out. For the fifth and very last truth, he says, President Nelson, you may know for yourself what is true and what is not by learning to discern the whisperings of the Spirit. For the Spirit speaketh truth and lieth not. It speaketh of things as they really are and of things as they really will be. 
He has declared that we may seek knowledge from heaven and expect to receive it. If thou shalt ask, the Lord promised, thou shalt receive revelation upon revelation, knowledge upon knowledge. Fear not, brothers and sisters. The heavens are open. They work unceasingly to bring us back home, to guide our lives, to bless our lives, and to give us comfort and peace, even in the midst of so much turmoil and yuck. They are there. They hear you. They know you. They know every hair on your head. Have you really thought about that scripture? How many hairs you have on your head? Now, in my family, most of our men are bald and they shave their heads, but still, the point remains. (laughs) If you really think about how much hair grows out of your skin, the follicles, this is how well they know you. Doubt your doubts, embrace your faith, and fear not. I would like to end with the lyrics from Love One Another. As I have loved you, love one another. This new commandment, love one another. By this shall men know, ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. God bless. Stay healthy. Stay safe, stay faithful, and don't forget, always remember to be kind for everyone you meet is truly fighting a hard battle. We're all looking to get back home. You guys have a wonderful week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for reaching out. We love each and every one of you. We'll be with you next week.